Welcome to We're All Mad Here, a podcast aimed at dismantling the stigma surrounding mental health conditions, opening a discussion, and facilitating understanding one story at a time. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an amazing online psychology service, and what makes them different is that all you need to do is answer a few questions online to let them know what you're struggling with, and they'll find you a therapist who's specialized and effective in what you need. No running around or making phone calls or Googling. You can go to betterhelp.com slash allmadhere and you'll even get a discount on your first session. Today, I'm joined by Carissa Wright. Carissa is an active mental health advocate and lived experience speaker. She's been involved with a range of mental health organizations, including lived experience speaking for Suicide Prevention Australia and Consumers of Mental Health Western Australia. She's also a contributing author for one of the leading mental health sites in the world. Her expertise is sharing her experience with borderline personality disorder. She's currently involved in co-designing a BPD program in Perth, Western Australia, and recently finished an internship in the USA with the BPD organization Emotions Matter. Carissa will be demystifying borderline personality disorder for us and sharing her insights and experiences. She'll talk about how she has treated and managed her condition and about the common misconceptions that still exist surrounding it. She'll also detail her experiences with being in inpatient mental facilities. Mostly, though, she'll be sharing a message of hope for anyone else who's working through the same things that she has dealt with. Enjoy. Hi, Carissa. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. So you're a lived experience speaker who advocates for better recognition and representation of borderline personality disorder. How did you begin to do this work? Um, I came about this work around three years ago. Um, I was going through a rough transition with a breakup and I felt quite silenced with my disorder. So I did some research on the internet and I found Suicide Prevention Australia they were offering lived experience speaking courses. So I did some emails. So I got into one of the courses that was run at Perth Zoo here in Western Australia for three days um, through Roses in the Ocean, which work with Suicide Prevention Australia. So everyone that did the course had lived experience with suicide in one way, whether they had the ideation, were impacted, lost a loved one and um, stuff like that. So that's how I got into the work and I kind of started from there and then I started networking with Australian Borderline Personality Disorder Foundation and so I moved to Melbourne after that and worked with them for a little bit and then I came back home and I did another speakers course with Consumers of Mental Health um, Western Australia. So I finished that course last year and it's kind of just gone from there. And can you tell us a bit about what borderline personality disorder involves? What kind of symptoms led you originally to wanting to seek help? Uh, so borderline personality disorder is a disorder of emotional dysregulation. So I had trouble regulating my emotions during episodes. Um, another symptom that I experienced a lot was disassociation. So that kind of led me to not being able to regulate my emotions in that moment, which also kind of caused like a backwards effect. So when, once the disassociation started, that's when the self-harm came involved and also the suicide ideation because I couldn't stay present in the moment. So it kind of flipped me in um, past memories and stuff like that. 
we also can experience psychotic episodes due to trauma. Uh, we have impulsive nature as well. And I think one of the biggest biggest misunderstood symptoms is the fear of abandonment. Um, is quite severe, especially if you don't have the skills to be able to minimise that. So you've undergone some treatment for your illness? Yes. And what did that entail? So I started doing cognitive behavioural therapy, which when I was diagnosed when I was 17, um, because I wasn't exposed to dialectical behavioural therapy back in when I was 17. So I kind of did some, some CBT throughout the 12 years I was in the system here in Western Australia. And I also saw a neurologist at one stage. Um, and then when I moved to Melbourne, that's when they started introducing the dialectical behavioural therapy components to my therapy. And then once I moved home, I was placed in the DBT program last year, which completely changed my life. So for those who don't know what dialectical behavioural therapy is, it's a um, therapy based to change the dialect of the way you think. And there's four components to it. Um, so there's teaching your skills of emotional regulation, interpersonal skills, uh, mindfulness and dis- distress tolerance and um, all those components combined was the ingredients to kind of help me um, stay alive pretty much. So yeah, it was a life-changing experience for me. So within DBT, when you say the, the four uh, the four components, how do those components uh, offer help to those with borderline personality disorder exactly? Well, it starts off small, so it can be quite confronting. So I think the main reason why these four components helped was the mindfulness helps with the disassociation. So with mindfulness, there's a huge movement at the moment, um, I think, just through social media and stuff like that. But mindfulness in DBT is... Um, you don't have to learn all the practices that are offered in the module. It's the one that best suits your experience with your borderline. So for me, it was just simple breathing exercises to keep me grounded during the moments I have flashbacks of trauma and stuff like that. And then interpersonal skills was, I thought my interpersonal skills were quite high when I started the course, but this completely changed my outlook on life. And it's just being able to see other perspectives, but actually feel other perspectives. So I could see other perspectives, but I'd kind of sit in my own truth and my own stubbornness and not, and kind of hold on to the fact that people were being arrogant. It was hard for me to separate myself emotionally because I would really want to change their behavior. But with the interpersonal skills that helped me kind of take a step back and separate myself from that. Uh, Distress tolerance helps because it teaches you healthier coping mechanisms when self-harm and suicide ideation is presented. So there'll be simple ways like, um, for example, change of temperature when you start to burn up from a disassociation episode because the anger can surface a lot. So they'll teach you, like, for example, to put a wet flannel on your face just so you don't resort to hurting yourself in that moment, which was quite useful as well. When you start DBT, it's about what helps you more than like learning the whole module because it's quite overwhelming as well. People in our course, um, we did group therapy. So not everyone had a diagnosis of borderline that was in my group. They had um, eating disorder, bipolar, and yeah, so it depends. I think it's a, I think anyone who is receptive to it will get a positive outcome, to be honest. 
You've been treated in inpatient facilities multiple times during the course of your illness. Can we discuss your experience within these facilities? Yes, we can. I'd love to chat about that. Well, firstly, do you have anything that you'd like to specifically talk about, um, about your experience within those? I was first, had my first day in a psychiatric ward when I was 18. And I think because my disassociation back in the day was so severe that I kind of lost my short-term memory. So I can't really remember what my first day was like. There's like snippets where I'd remember my friends coming in. Then my mum came in and the diagnosis was read out and she was quite distraught because she had never heard about it. Um, I remember it being very clinical at the start. I don't remember like any DBT being involved in the psychiatric facility I first stayed in. And then the other ones were also quite clinical, but they had an OT section in it. So it wasn't really recovery based. It was really short term, but I had one really negative experience um, where I actually had to demand myself to stay there even though my suicide ideation was through the roof like it was one of the highest it's ever been and they said well you've got borderline personality disorder you're only supposed to stay in hospital for two days at a time and I said that's not true like that's a big myth I think because they think um if you stay in hospital with BPD that the symptoms worsen but for me going into the psychiatric wards and facilities actually gave me a breather from what was going on outside because I was so overwhelmed with my life events at the time. Um, but it has its pros and cons. Like I've had some amazing mental health nurses in the facilities that probably did their job a lot better than the main head doctors there because um, it was very medication-driven. And for my personal experience, um, for me taking medication didn't help my symptoms. It just heightened them a lot. So I haven't had a good run with medication. So, yeah, I, I think I think as I got older as well and, because of the navigation I had done through the system, it was easy for me to adapt to the psychiatric wards I would be, be placed in and kind of demand my needs and advocate for myself when I thought something wasn't quite adding up to me being able to recover. There are a lot of misconceptions surrounding borderline personality disorder. Do you have one in particular that you come across that particularly frustrates you? It's actually... in. In the media at the moment, um, I don't know if you know Peter Davison, he's on SNL. Um, he just got diagnosed with BPD and he just got engaged to Ariana Grande after a month. Um, and I think the biggest myth is that BPD partners or BP, BPD people in relationships can't have a healthy relationship. So a lot of people were kind of considering that an impulse of BPD that they got engaged. But to me... Even people without diagnosed mental illnesses still get engaged after, what, two weeks or something like that. Um, so I think the biggest myth for me was um, is that BPD people can't have loving relationships because I have definitely had my experiences of, of unhealthy attachment relationships, but after DBT I know my partner now is so supportive and I have one of the healthiest relationships I've ever had, but I still have symptoms come up from time to time challenging me. So I, I kind of, um, that really frustrates me that just because you have a diagnosis of BPD that you're going to be this impossible partner when people with BPD are the, probably the most empathetic, loving, understanding people that you'll meet. So it's just about finding that kind of that balance and that right person. It doesn't matter what diagnosis you have. So that frustrates me a lot. 
What have you found to be the most rewarding aspect of being an advocate for mental health? Definitely, uh, I think when I started using my voice, I encouraged other people to not be silent. So for me, the most rewarding experience has I've had people inbox me privately being like, you really helped me come to terms with accepting themselves and their diagnosis. So I think for me that that's my job done because I want people to be honest with themselves and be authentic. So I think watching people grow from that and then kind of accept these symptoms of their mental illness, because I believe that everyone's on the spectrum one way or the other, doesn't matter what diagnosis you have, but I think the biggest thing that people should do is self-reflect and once they self-reflect, they can start learning more about themselves and if I'm helping people learn more about themselves and accept themselves and not really care about the judgment of others, then that's probably the most rewarding thing for me at the end of the day. And it's also just wonderful that you give people with borderline or other mental conditions hope that they can rise to a position where they are helping others. I think maybe one thing that is really hard within mental illness is that you often feel like you can't help anyone because you can't sometimes help yourself. So it's a wonderful thing that you're doing that that shows other people that, you know, you can be in this kind of role. Yeah, definitely. I think um, especially with BPD, they people tend to think it's a life sentence and that you're never going to recover and it's always going to be like that. And I've learned the hard way that it's not and I don't regret navigating even though it was very dangerous at times, that 12 years where I had to get to where I am now. But I think if it is possible to recover and I think the more we talk about it, the more it shows people that recovery is like possible as well. Is there something that you want to convey to anyone out there who currently thinks they might be experiencing borderline personality disorder symptoms? Um, that it's... It's not the end of the world. I remember when I first was diagnosed, I felt a lot of shame for who I was. Um, well, shame, sorry. Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. I think at the end of the day, you're human regardless of what diagnosis you're placed under. For me personally, having a diagnosis was a positive thing because it helps me work through the symptoms I was presenting. Um, but I know for other people who have just been diagnosed, they're like, oh, my God, I'm in denial. I do not have this. Um, That isn't me because it's quite – if you Google symptoms online, it's in a negative light, but there is information out there that's positive. I think um, do the best you can because I know people with BPD do try their very best and just keep reminding yourself that if you do make a mistake or if people don't respond to you the way that you want, that it's not about you, it's more about them and to keep fighting because at the end of the day there is help out there and and to always speak up when they are feeling the way they do which is quite severely suicidal because it's one of the main symptoms of the disorder so you just have to keep speaking about that and working through that. Is there something that people who have a friend or family member who is struggling with these symptoms can do that's been particularly helpful for you for people like loved ones that have done for you? Yeah, I think the key word for me was validation. So um, when you have borderline personality disorder, you really struggle validating your own emotions at the time, especially if you haven't done DBT. So it's like 
people if they can validate and say I understand how you feel and I was like that is valid how you're feeling instead of being like you shouldn't be feeling like that like using shouldn't and couldn't and wouldn't words is not it's not very good um when someone's experiencing BPD because they don't respond to that very well so if it's just being able to also being mindful of keeping boundaries as well but just offering small little help being like I understand how you feel. Do you want to have a walk or do you want to have a coffee or I've got time to listen to you right now. Um, I'm here. Talk to me. It's just simple language as well. It's, language is very important when responding to BPD crises. So you, you mentioned boundaries. Um, do you mean for the person with BPD or do you mean for someone who might be um, trying to help someone with BPD? I think it's probably the person who's helping the person experiencing BPD. If they're um, pre-DBT and haven't learnt those skills, it's really hard for people to with BPD to put boundaries in place. I know in my past it was extremely hard for me to put boundaries up because um, I wanted people to like me, obviously, because I needed that validation. So it's hard for me to say no or being like, oh, you've kind of crossed the boundary. It's just being like, oh, no, that's okay, that's okay. So I think for the care, from a carer perspective, it is important to be like, I can offer you this much but not um, offer them the world kind of thing because they kind of hold on to that hope because that's what they're seeking for anyway. Yeah, so just it's just simple, simple like what you can do in your own, like if you know yourself quite well and have that self-awareness, it's knowing that where it kind of stops the help that you offer someone with BPD because I remember in my past I... I pushed other people's boundaries because they had offered me the world and I was like, well, I need this, so keep giving it to me kind of thing because I didn't have the skills to say otherwise. And finally, would you tell us a little bit about maybe some resources that you've found helpful on your personal journey? Yes, I can. Um, There's a website called The Mighty. I'm sure a lot of people would have heard about it now. It's... um, one of the me- mental health leading websites in the world which offers lived experience articles which I found helpful during my crises. Um, I do write for them now. There's so many articles on there of different diagnoses and illnesses and even if you don't have the same diagnosis, I still found comfort in reading other people's stories. Um, there's also Emotions Matter. I just came back from New York after interning with them for 10 days and they're um, a non-for-profit organisation over in New York and the people that run that have loved ones with BPD and they advocate for systematic change over there and they offer just stories and lots of educating on their website and also... Australian BPD Foundation has the advocate articles which share also lived experience. I'd just be searching mainly for lived experience articles rather than clinical because I feel reading someone else's story and journey, I sought comfort in that and hope as well. Yeah, definitely. And I will make sure to link all of those resources uh, down below and um, in the description Thank you so much, Carissa. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to your experiences. And um, do you have any uh, website or anything for your your writing that you'd like to have people go to? Yeah, of course. Uh, Thank you for having me as well. Yeah, absolutely. My blog is called embracingbpd.blogspot.com. So I, I haven't written as much as I used to, but 
you can pretty much see my whole journey and transition from start to finish in that blog if you want to check that out. Awesome. And I'll obviously post the link to that as well. Thank you. No worries. I hope you have a, a wonderful day. Bye.